Welcome back to One Winning Pod. We're back after uh, a surprisingly long, I guess, break. Last time we recorded it was May 23rd. But this is uh, just in time, in my opinion, as we do our annual State of the Division episode. It's our opportunity to look back on free agency, the draft, and just the happenings of all the other teams in our division. The AFC North is looking to be a very competitive division. Many people are comparing it to the AL East of baseball, where like there's a lot of good teams. They might be beating up on each other. There's a lot of talent there, a lot of opportunity. And uh, we'll just be going kind of around the horn. Each of us took a team. This is actually our, I guess, fourth year doing this or third year. Fourth year. Fourth year. Yeah. So now we, yeah, fourth year doing it. So now we all, like, we rotate back. So if, if you've been yep. keeping track, uh, <laughs> you know, this is like the original order of, uh, you know, who did which team. I'll be starting off today going over the Browns. And the first thing I'll say is that I left this experience a little more concerned about the Browns than I entered it. I definitely think they did a lot this offseason to attempt to compete. But before we even talk about that, we got to talk about their new logo, which came out today, is <laughs> June 12th, and I think it looks like trash. I think it's a little too dark, but I hear that I might be the only pe- person that's a detractor of this logo on the pod. Well, I don't know Chris's opinion yet. I know. I know, um, I, I know when you shared it, I, I thought that it looked like uh, pretty awesome, and I was surprised that the Browns, who for basically their entire existence as far as I'm concerned have completely failed in as far as like the in the logo making department. I do like their jerseys, but I think that's just because you look back at football history like particularly in the 50s and the 60s, you know, the, the Browns were a very good football team, one of the best teams during that era and obviously Hall of Famers uh Jim Brown rest in peace, uh Otto Graham, Ozzie Newsom. Uh so I've never had a problem with their uniforms cuz I think that having a team that had success at one point makes a uniform, even if it's kind of bland, look better, if that makes sense. Yeah. But yeah, anytime they ever did a logo, I never liked it. I never thought it was terribly interesting, but I really dig what they did here with, with, uh, this dark dog here. I don't know what else you could call it. Darth bulldog, uh, Darth Vader's bulldog. If you ever had one, I, I really dig it. I honestly, I think that it's the best possible thing you could come up with, with that bulldog logo. Now, I think it would look really stupid on their helmet if that's what they're planning to do. But if they're planning to do it on like on their shoulder pad, make it like a secondary logo, you know, kind of like what the sh- Chicago does with their like uh, actual bear logo that you'll see from time to time. You know, they they never put that on the helmet. It's always been that uh, that C. I think it could work out really well for them and. That's obviously it's completely subjective, but when I saw that without hearing anyone else's opinion, I looked at that logo and I was like, that is a logo. Good job, Cleveland. <laughs> you you did something right there. That looks sick. <laughs> I like it. Did, did, did I give my opinion in, 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 the, in the Discord? I don't know if I did. I'm not sure. Because I, I, well, <laughs> I, I got to say, I'm on, I'm, I'm on scene Alec here. Um, my, 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 <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like last episode or couple episodes ago or whatever i gave i gave shade on the cardinals for being a trash team um <laughs> trash teams change their logos good teams don't change their logos um <laughs> it's just like you know trash teams go through a rebrand what it seems like every couple of years <laughs> I, like i don't know it's just like their their jerseys are fine i'll give you that peter like i i don't i don't mind them um even though 
the Browns have changed their jerseys at least two or three times of over the last like 10 years that I remember. Uh, it happens quite often. So like, it doesn't really do anything for me. I just like good teams, like they have good logos and they don't feel a need to change them because they're successful and they don't need to rebrand to get people to buy merch every couple of years. <laughs> like, I mean, like I guess objectively from like just purely an artist point of view, like it's cool. Sure. But I also just like the Browns are confusing. Like, are they a color? No, because their colors are orange. Well, they're um, a family. They're named after Paul Brown. It's like literally the most rich person thing to do is just like, I bought a football team. I'm just going to name it after <laughs> after me. <laughs> it's literally like if, yeah. if, if Trump took over the Cowboys <laughs> and called them the Dallas Trumps. That's basically what the Cleveland Browns are. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, Please don't let him in. We already kept him out. <laughs> like 30 years ago or whatever, he tried right, to buy the yeah. NFL team. Back in the 80s, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 confusing. I mean, I I like the dog better than the elf because uh, that just never made any sense to me. But like, whatever. <laughs> well, we were talking in the Discord, and Alan told us that apparently the elf is a, a favorite in Cleveland. Um, he's from there, so yeah. I don't know. I think it's one of those things. This is going to sound kind of hilarious. I think it's going to look good in the score on the you know like tv like i think it's best smaller it looks like uh i'm on their website it looks like they already took like their media photos and stuff like the jerseys are staying the same they're very proud of them uh so like i don't think the jerseys are changing or they're adding it there but i don't know it's like not horrendous but i just feel like they're gonna be looking for a rebrand soon my (laughs) my one buddy who's in (laughs) like uh design and stuff he said this is this is the most try-hard graphic design is my passion crap I've ever seen. <laughs> like, that, that yeah. was his opinion. Well, uh, I, I will give that to it. Like, it's cool if your logo has, uh, you know, a nod to where you are. But yeah, if, if you go on Twitter and it shows you, points out there's like 12 different things about the city of Cleveland hidden in there. I will agree that's a little much. But I feel like if you look at it, like you can look at it and just and not notice that. It doesn't detract from it. Yeah, for sure. It's yeah. definitely... Yeah. They did it in a way that didn't, yeah, wreck things. Yeah, twelve, yeah, twelve things, way too much. Like, yeah. I mean, that just tells me more about the city of Cleveland. Of just like you can't think of one, one or two things. Hey, Alec, I, I, I will, I will say on. something. I will say something. Don't no. ban me for saying this. And if you do ban me, I won't care because I'll be right. <laughs> this logo, way better than the Orioles City Connect jerseys. Oh God! I mean, you might be need to be canceled. All right, here we go. <laughs> Hey, everybody, uh, let us know. Should Peter be canceled for that take? (laughs) (laughs) We'll let the people decide. All right. We're like six, seven minutes into this show. Let's actually start talking about some football. So (laughs) I'm actually like on the Browns page, like I said, right now. And they're also very proud of themselves for like increasing the muscle in the trenches. And that was definitely one of the focuses of this year. Um, so let's, let's start off with free agency. They kicked it off by restructuring the sexual predator, kicking 36 million fully guaranteed dollars to the future. So that's going to be fun for them, uh, later on. And what did they do with that money? They made a splash free agent signing in the trenches, Dalvin Tomlinson from the Vikings four years, 57 million, 27.5 guaranteed, uh, kind of a premier player in the trenches, uh, not a huge penetrator, but okay. Um, 
And they also signed Maurice Hurst and Tristan Hill to shore up their defensive tackle depth. Um, they also addressed it in the draft, but uh, we're not in the draft section yet. To further increase their um, defensive playmaking ability, they acquired Juan Thornhill from the Chiefs. He's a safety. He's okay. He's probably going to be their starter. He's a former second-round selection, and um, there's hope that he'll be able to continue to grow. You know, He has a lot of good traits. They think he could be good. Uh, however, there's not that much depth there. So they added uh, 11-year vet Rodney McLeal uh, to hopefully help out if needed. And uh, yeah, that's like, I guess, an interesting thing. I think if they have issues in the safety position, they're not going to have many places to pivot. So that could be one of their weaknesses this year. Uh, also on the defensive side of the ball, they got Zadarius Smith from the Vikings in a trade. Uh, if you recall, they got a sixth and seventh round pick in 2025. Um, and then Cleveland gave away their fifth in 2024 and uh, 2025. So he had 10 sacks last year. But fun fact, 9.5 of them came in the first nine games of the season. And he played 16 games. So there's definitely a question of like if he still has it. And then, ooh, this name. Okoronkwo? Okoronkwo. Yeah, I've heard that one That's before. how I would pronounce it. I think that's I think that's right. Yeah. I'm sorry, Okunako, for butchering your name. You're from Houston, defensive end. He has best season of the year, actually. Um, in Houston after leaving the Rams. He collected five sacks, doubled his career total to nine point five. Uh three year contract. They're hoping that he will be a nice like veteran presence. Uh they recently drafted in the third round Alex Wright last year. And um they also drafted another player this year in I think either the third or fourth round on defensive end. So this is a guy like you kind of think of him as maybe a Pernell McPhee where you want to vet in the room while you have some young guys learn uh, and get better. So that's kind of the defensive changes they made during free agency. They were a very active team in free agency. Um, Curious what you guys think. Yeah. I mean, so this is, this is here where I will um, side with you guys on the Browns uh, just not really being that good run of an organization. We'll look at it with the Bengals and the Steelers. Uh, you know, I, I look at this list and it, like you said, it's a lot of moves and there's a reason I think for a lot of these guys were free agents. And in my opinion, and I think if you look at the past two decades of, of Super Bowl winners, for the most part of degrees to build a good team, you got to have a good nucleus and you, you, uh, you augment it with free agents. You know, it feels like combined with the trade they made with Watson, all these signings, and of course we know that we made, they made a lot of signings last year too. It feels a little hodgepodge. You know, I, I, it could work out for them, I guess, but I don't know. I mean, you know, there's a reason Darius Smith's been around. He's been great since he was left from Baltimore, but no one wants to consistently pay him. Um, Elijah Moore... There are some concerns there for him. He had a great rookie year, but he had some attitude problems that were well-documented last year on the Jets. Um, Those are the two biggest names, I guess you could say. Um, But, yeah, I don't know. I I look at this, and it's not really... It doesn't move the needle for me. I think that they they made a lot of moves, but did they really make the team better? 
I don't think that we could really say that, really. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, these seem like a bunch of random moves to me. Um, I mean, like, I, I to, to me, this is where I think the Browns' track record of not drafting well, I think, really is kind of putting them in a hole. Agreed. Um, so, for example, like Thornhill, right? Safety sign from the Chiefs. Um, I mean, if you guys remember, uh, they had John, was it John Johnson uh, play uh, safety? They signed him over from the Rams a couple of years ago, gave him a huge contract, thought he was going to, you know, turn over the safety position. Really didn't turn out that well. Um, I think they cut him this year. Um, so, you know, Thornhill is really signed to replace him. But like, like you said, Peter, like, I don't really think he's going to make that position group better necessarily i i think he's just kind of another guy that's probably going to be about the same uh, if you remember too like they also had a second round pick from a while ago grant delpit who was supposed yep. to be their strong safety underwhelming too so yeah we're looking at like a safety group they really haven't solidified anything they're really just like adding a guy in there to maybe like add a piece right but it's not really complementing anything a part of that position group right now and uh yeah dalvin tomlinson defensive tackle like that's where you're gonna spend all your money like i get that they're a bad like run defense team but i mean really that's where you're gonna spend your money like your defense is just has holes everywhere i mean that just seems kind of crazy yeah i think their linebackers are more of the problem in a way than uh than their defensive line i mean i know their defensive line was getting moved off the ball and i get it but like i feel like them getting maurice hurst tristan hill and then the draft pick is probably what they should have done you know get some cheap guys <laughs> you know get get a draft pick i don't know this the, i kind of agree that this this pit that spending there was not where i would have put the money but um yeah yeah, yeah. and i mean and the biggest thing I, you know mentioned at the top alec of just them spending all their draft picks to acquire watson they didn't have a pick until the third round this year. So, mm. I mean, yeah, like, you know, we'll talk about it. You didn't mention names, but, I mean, they did draft a defensive tackle guy that I thought, you know, I remember looking at him. I was like, oh, he's probably not a fit for the Ravens, but he might be a good guy. Could be somebody, but, yeah, we'll see. you know, um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Their their defense definitely is tons of holes. So, um, I don't know about their offense, though. We should probably talk about that and, and see kind of where they went there because I, I, I'm a little bit more scared. I, I guess if Watson plays better, I'm a little bit more scared about the offense, but but yeah. Sure. So with the offense, um, they did have a second-round pick this year, but they traded it. So they traded their second-round pick to the Jets, uh, the 42nd pick, which they eventually traded to the Packers when they selected Luke Musgrave. And they received Elijah Moore, which uh, Peter brought up, and the 74th pick in the third round which turned out to be their first pick in the draft with that pick they picked up Cedric Tillman so we'll talk about that pick up later but I hate to say it I feel like that was a really well done trade I think they got a hot lot of value there personally uh, I'm not out on Elijah Moore yet I understand the character concerns I always think that is a troubling thing yeah but well, he has uh, talent oh I, yeah I agree the, the talent's yeah. there and a change of scenery might be what he needs I mean the Browns aren't known for uh you know cultivating people <laughs> But, um, you know, it, it could be a him thing, right? Like Elijah Moore could have grown up over the last year and um, and figured it out on his own, you know? So there, there, there's that. Uh, lots of talent there. I do not like it from a Ravens perspective. Uh, this does scare me a little bit. And uh, like Chris said, if you can imagine if Watson starts playing better with these weapons that they've accumulated on offense. Um, I mean, the offense looks poised to be very productive, 
um, if, you know, basically if coming down to quarterback play. They also re-signed their center, Pokic. Interesting guy, Ethan Pokic was one of the top centers in the league, and he wasn't even supposed to start. Uh, they had another guy that was they were supposed to start. Um, so now they feel like they have two starting centers. Um, and then they drafted another one at the end of the draft because they're like, the value was too high. Um, they got back Joshua Dobbs. You might remember him because of his aerospace engineering degree, and they couldn't stop talking about it when the Titans were on primetime, and he was like uh, starting one of the games. <laughs> because <laughs> he he like was on the browns when watson was suspended they dropped him when he came back titans picked him up and Titans started him um so there's that marquis goodwin from seattle it's been a long time since he's uh produced i think it was like 2017 or 2018 that he had his big year but he could be good for 30 to 40 catches if elijah moore can't uh step up he's one of those guys like you kind of know what you're getting i would think of him as like a a sneed you know <laughs> like acquisition at this stage Jordan Atkins rejoins Watson from Houston. He just came off one of his best years, 495 yards and five touchdowns. Uh, definitely serviceable next to Njoku. And uh, yeah, that's kind of what they did on the offensive side of the ball. I, I like the Jordan Atkins move. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I I wouldn't really consider him like above average, like starter material, but tight end too. I think it's a good move. Um, I actually don't, it looks like we don't have the contract details here, but um you know, it's funny, I looking at the Bengals, I don't want to spoil it too much, but um, I think this would have been a good pickup for the Bengals. So the fact the Browns got him, I think, uh, was a good move. Awesome. So we'll go into the draft. Like I said, Cedric Tillman was our first pick. That pains me because I still think he'll be good. Uh, but part of me also wants him to be like the next Denzel Mims in my evaluation process, a total, total L. But uh, he could be an outside wide receiver. He doesn't have to produce right away because they still do have Amari Cooper and Donovan Peoples-Jones there. Uh, who may like get the starting roles, so to speak. But Cooper is a free agent next year, and DPJ, like you know, we'll see. Like he hasn't done enough to earn that spot. Like I could see Cedric outperforming him in camp and being the number two uh, right away. Chris's guy, Siaki Ika, uh, defensive tackle out of Baylor, uh, three hundred and thirty-five pound guy. Uh, like I said, they were kind of obsessed with this notion that they needed to increase their defensive trenches and muscle they even talk about it on their twitter page you know like this was definitely a a, a focus for them and that was a pick there uh this one uh, amused me they uh copycatted the ravens last year picking up Tawan jones offensive tackle from ohio state but he's uh only six foot eight and only 374 pounds so he's a lesser <laughs> daniel filele just like the browns a lesser team um they had Isaiah McGuire, defensive end, Missouri. Uh, he'll be joining Alex Wright. They're just attempting to get younger defensive end. Um, the clowny experiment last year didn't work out. And uh, Garrett, for as good as he is, is he's getting older. So, like, this is an opportunity to kind of refresh the room. Dorian Tomlinson Robinson, uh, DTR. I thought he was a pretty solid pickup. I wouldn't be surprised if we see him start one day. And uh, I expect him to win the backup role over the aerospace engineer, personally. But uh, we'll see. And then Cameron Mitchell, cornerback out of Northwestern. If I recall correctly, he'll be more a slot corner. But um, they do see him as an opportunity to be inside-outside. And then last but not least, like I mentioned, Luke Whipler, center out of Ohio State. So they got two Ohio State linemen. Uh, they just thought he was a really high value, so they picked him up. So that was their draft. It's shocking, but it was a good draft. <laughs> I mean, really. <laughs> you look down this list, and, and all these players, some of them, like we said, are players that we thought would be good fits for the Ravens. 
Uh, Browns are AFC North. They play a similar style of football, or at least try to. Um, players that are good fits for the Ravens are, it's not too far of a stretch to say would be good for Cleveland. You go down this list, like you said, Tillman, um, I wasn't as high on him as you were, but I think that was great value there that you get him there. Chris sold me on, on Ica. I think that he would will fit right there. Um, and I think you get DTR uh, where you did. You're keeping your options open because we still have questions here with Watson. I mean, you sunk your, your ship with him if, if he <laughs> doesn't turn out. But, I mean, he was certainly rusty last year, which is to be expected, uh, regardless of what your personal feelings are for him. A player being out of football for that long is definitely going to show some rust, but if it doesn't work out for them again next year, they're going to have to look at finding some way to get some competition at that position. And Dorian Thompson Robinson, a guy who has a lot of features uh, that could lend their way to being an effective NFL quarterback, you know, could work out for him, could not. That's generally what you see with late round quarterbacks. It's, it's a good insurance plan in my opinion. Um, So, yeah, like I said, it's crazy to say, but you look through this list of players, you can make a case for any one of them being a good fit for this team. <laughs> we have to we have to give them props there for the draft, especially considering how little capital they did have. Yeah, I think the the guy that kind of sticks out to me, uh, we're kind of looking at the Browns. I think Cameron Mitchell. I think will probably get an opportunity early to get significant snaps in the nickel spot. Um, you know, it's like I kind of mentioned earlier, their defense is just like. It's just really weak, I think. They've got a couple of star players that, you know, Garrett, obviously, but like, you know, at corner, they've got Ward and Newsome are pretty good. And uh, who's the other guy? Uh, Emerson kind of came on a little bit last year. But other than that, like, I mean, yeah, I guess you've got three guys, to be honest. A lot of the other corners I'm looking here, like, not really scare me. Um, so I, I think I think Cameron Mitchell is a guy who could probably come in and we probably see his name a good bit. Obviously, with you know the personnel that the Ravens are going to run with this year, with the personnel that you know Cincinnati is going to put on the field, three receivers, you know, four receivers maybe, he's probably going to get a good bit of playing time. Uh, so I'd watch out for him just to you know kind of see what he's doing in the in the preseason. Uh, I think he's going to be a name to to watch out for. Awesome. So I kind of focused my. Uh overview of the team on kind of the acquisitions as far as defensive schemes goes i don't have much to, to say um i think obviously they want to improve their run defense by improving the trenches we know they were getting blown off the ball last year uh, obviously that will help but i think they're secondary obviously they have pretty good corners but um the safeties are questionable so uh safeties linebackers I, I think there's some uh vulnerabilities there so i'm definitely curious to see how this shapes out over the course of the year they might have a decent pass rush you know, if you get the real deal version of Zadarius with Garrett, like that's that's a high octane pass rush. They might be able to rush four and get a pressure. So definitely, that's uh, I think that I think they're a very volatile defense year over year. This is one I couldn't put my finger on of how good they're going to be. Yeah, I feel like we've been saying that for the past few years with Cleveland. Uh, a lot of players on their t- unit that look strong, and then the question is just how well are they going to do when they get on the field? And, you know, to their credit, 2019-2020, the answer was pretty good. But then the the past two seasons, um, particularly last year, that unit, while still fine, um, definitely took a a step or two back. So 
Yeah, I, I agree. It's hard to say. We'll have to watch um, in training camp and preseason. But I, I think you do put it well that it, if this roster on both sides of the football, they have all the pieces there if they all fall correctly to be a team that can win this division. But it feels like a lot of what ifs and a lot of um, contingencies. And certainly there's a lot of positions that you want better depth on that it's really hard to feel like, in my opinion, um, this team's going to do any better than, than finish last place in the division. In my Again, that's my take. I know that you guys might disagree with me, but it's a strong division. And I think that the other three teams in this division have a, a much stronger uh, core of, of drafted talent that's, uh, that's closer to being ready to go than where the Browns are right now. I'm definitely curious to see what you say about the Steelers because uh, I would probably pick the Browns to be um, in third place, but I get it. I think it's going to be tough. I think they'll be within a, a, a game of each other. On the offensive side of the ball for the Browns, um, not spoken about too much in this analysis is the fact that they still have a solid offensive line. Um, you could say they took a step back last year, but they're still top talents in the league, very large. And um, obviously Chubb is one of the best running backs in the league as a pure runner. I think they're, I think Amari Cooper's underrated. Uh, I think he's a solid wide receiver. And... Um, with Cedric Tillman there now and Elijah Moore and DPJ. I think that's a very um, respectable unit. They still have Njoku, who had a little bit of a breakout. Like, don't call it a breakout, but, like, maybe one of his better years uh, <laughs> kind of thing. And, um, yeah, I mean, they've got the pieces. It really comes down to if Watson can get anywhere close to what he once was. So I think between him and Russell Wilson, it's like kind of an interesting to see, like, are these guys going to be able to be what they were expected to be after the trade? They're a very disappointing first year for both of them, but um, each of them had interesting, you know, quirks going into it. Uh, and we'll see if the new offseason helped. All right. Well, I guess we uh, delved into the Browns and now we will move on to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, this is the team that I was uh, researching. I will admit I did not get a chance to research quite as much as I wanted to, but I think I hit all the high-level things that I wanted. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through it a little differently than Alec did. I'm going to start out with looking at where the offense and defense are from a whole and then kind of pepper in where the Steelers bolstered as far as draft picks and signings go. But... Yeah, to start off the bat, why I think that the Steelers ha have a better shot at finishing in third place in this division rather than fourth is is simply one one word, one coach, Mike Tomlin. The guy has never had a losing season with the Steelers, and I don't see how the Steelers can be worse than they were last year. To consider the fact that this team went 9-8 and eight with how abysmal uh, the passing offense was like is, it, is pretty astounding, really, if you think about it. And... We'll start out with discussing the Steelers with discussing Kenny Pickett because like Cleveland, uh, we're, it's hard to say how far this team can go if you don't get positive play from Deshaun Watson. I think you have to say the same from the Steelers' standpoint. Not that they can't be a team that finishes above 500, but obviously this is an organization that is used to winning. They're used to getting to the Super Bowl quite often, being a, a force in the playoffs. And in today's NFL... 
And as much as the, the Ravens and the 49ers have tried to roll against it, you need a quarterback who can take control of the game when everything else is falling apart. And Kenny Pickett really didn't get opportunities to do that last year terribly much. Um, we can look at what he did at the second half of the season. Uh, his numbers were better, but also at the same time. Uh, the Steelers simplified the offense and kind of just had it focus on on what are the strengths of what Pickett was doing good right at then and there at that time. So, you know, there were definitely positives from Pickett's uh, rookie year. I will say I came from it thinking that this guy can be a solid starter in this league. Is he going to be a Pro Bowl talent ever? Hard to say. But, you know, at the same time, when we look at his performance versus rookie quarterbacks from the past three, four drafts, you know, his completion percentage, 63%. Very middle of the pack as far as what we see here. The same thing goes with his QBR and his rating, 51.5, 76.7. Um, you had players who did better, such as Kyler Murray. He had slightly better in both those categories his rookie year. Uh, Mac Jones. You also had Justin Herbert, of course, although he had by far the most prolific rookie season of any quarterback in the past few seasons, so he's kind of an outlier. But, I mean, there are also quarterbacks who did way worse. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, who had an excellent sophomore campaign. His QBR and rating were way lower his rookie year. Uh, you can also look at players such as Joe Burrow. Well, okay. Pickett had a higher QBR, lower quarterback rating, so depending on which of those two uh, you give more credence to. You know, for me, I think this is the number one thing you got to look at with the Steelers because we know that they always figure out how to get everything else working. They're always able to get something out of their wide receivers. I think their wide receiver court is um, not as talented as it has been in recent seasons. We'll look at that. Um, their defense has a lot of questions. We'll look at that, but I have expect that they'll figure that out and they'll figure out the running game to me when we're looking at the Steelers can Pickett make the leap can he make that second year stride and improve on what went well and get the Steelers to get you know maybe a win or two better and sneak into a wild card I think that's what you're hoping for if you're a Steelers fan this year seeing positive progression from Pickett and seeing the Steelers get a wild card spot so, I don't know. What what were your guys take away from Pickett in his rookie year? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he he showed he showed some things. Um I mean, obviously it was a little annoying. We were talking about, you know, earlier of him not having a whole lot of game-winning drives. One exception is when they played the Ravens and <laughs> they had the game-winning drive. Unfortunately, right. Um yeah, which is, you know, super frustrating as a Ravens fan, but um you know, I mean, he did some good things. I, I feel like he's going to have some physical limitations, but uh, but that said, you know, if we're talking about kind of what the Steelers did this year, um, I, I do like it. I'm, I think it's indicative of just, you know, the moves make sense, right? I, I think, you know, we haven't really gotten to it yet, but I just want to throw out, like, I think the Broderick Jones pick at offensive tackle, I think, is fantastic. I mean, if if you think Pickett's the guy, you build the offense around them. And what best to do it, you work on the offensive line. Steelers O-line has been a little weak. I mean, they've had some guys who've played somewhat well, but I think they're probably around middle of the pack um, in terms of an offensive line, uh, maybe closer to the bottom. But he's a great name, I think, to take over probably on that left side. Um, they signed a guard from the Eagles who, you know, made it to the Super Bowl. They had a really great offensive line. I think that immediately, like, really helps the offense right there. So keep Pickett clean, allow him to make his reads that he needs to, 
Uh, like you said, Peter, I think their receiver core, I think it's fine. I don't think the receiver core for the Steelers is bad at all. And, uh, you know, they added another weapon or two on there as well. So, um, you know, I, I like I like what they're doing. They're definitely, you know, building around Pickett. You know, where the Browns, I, I, I feel like the Browns kind of felt like a little all over the place um, in terms of their draft. I feel like the Steelers draft this one was like, okay, we've got a couple of holes, but otherwise, like, we're going to build around the quarterback, build around the running back that we have, and just make, you know, make everyone better let's see what we can do with you know making this offense the best version of ourselves with the skill players we have yeah you you use the same word i was going to use for picket annoying um <laughs> like he had that comeback drive against <laughs> us and uh i'll never forget how excited steve was next to us when it happened um i i felt good for him in a way you know i was disappointed <laughs> that we lost but <laughs> it's so hard to deny someone that you like being so happy <laughs> so you know it was, it was an interesting moment but um i still am concerned about his processing and i'm still concerned that he's not gonna have like the arm strength to get himself out of trouble and like he's just not a plus player in any place like he feels he reminds me a lot of like Derek Carr and that's kind of where I, I think that if he ever becomes a Derek Carr, it's not like the worst thing ever for his pick and all, but I think you in this NFL want more out of your quarterback in order to, to win. And we just really haven't seen a player like that succeed lately. So we'll see um, if he's able to ascend. Uh, I think there's definitely a chance, but I'm not, I'm not banking on it. And I, I will say though, like Chris said, I think they set him up well for success. So you, we can talk about the draft that they had. I think they had a solid draft, uh, one of the best drafts. Some some have said the best draft, you know. So they're doing all the right things. It could be a very competitive team. And you're right, um, you said off the jump, but like Mike Tomlin, yeah, like prolific coach, great tripper. Um, he is a guy that gets his team in winning position. Let's jump into that draft then. I mean, you guys mentioned it. Let's talk about what they did to um, surround themselves with a better team for him. Like like Chris mentioned, they set themselves up. Broderick Jones from Georgia. The guy's a freak on tape when you watch it. Now, he was the fourth tackle taken uh, in the first round, so the league felt there were three guys better than him, but still, it was... We've been seeing a lot of really good tackles come in the first round as of late, so I don't think that's a knock against him. Joey Porter Jr., we talked about him, obviously. Feel happy for the Steelers fans. I think that's a cool story, even though, as we've discussed before, I'm not a fan of his dad, but that's (laughs) cool that he gets to become a high draft pick and go to the team that his dad uh, grew up playing for. Um, I've said it several times. I love Terrell Suggs. I can't imagine that anyone who's a, a fan of any team, other team in the AFC North has anything nice to say about Terrell Suggs. He just seemed <laughs> kind of like that guy who would just kind of get under other fans' skin. So I get it. I feel like the Steelers fans are pretty happy there. Uh, another great picks there with um, Keanu Benton and uh, Darnell Washington. Uh, obviously, they have Fryermuth there, but Washington, just a, a massive prospect will really help them in the run blocking department i'll admit i don't i wouldn't get a chance to research these last three guys that they drafted herberg herbig excuse me trice and anderson if you guys want to step in and talk about those guys but i mean like i said those first four are going to add a lot to this team 
uh, setting them up well. We talked about Steve again. We know Steve was really <laughs> happy about this draft as a Steelers fan. He's our best gauge of the fan base. So, yeah, I, but we know. We know the Steelers draft well. This isn't like the Browns where we're shocked when they draft well. The Steelers like are like the Ravens. They know how to draft, so good for them. They got a lot of great players um, that are going to set themselves up for success when they do finally figure out how to turn their team back from being a mediocre team into another great one. Yeah, just in you know, in terms of the draft, I you know we talked about the offense, kind of adding some of those guys there. Um, I, I think for the defense, you know, when I kind of look through the Steelers' um, depth, I, I know they they definitely lost a couple of guys. Um, you know, you have uh, you know losses of uh, Miles Jack, Devin Bush at the linebacker position, uh, Cam Sutton uh, corner. I think was a pretty big loss. He ended up signing a three year deal with the Lions. Uh, Chris Wormley as well, who I don't think he was beating anybody except for the Ravens it seems like um if you guys remember that one game he had like two and a half sacks against us or something <laughs> yeah. um you know I, Top I don't 10, think uh most uh, <laughs> uh upset about getting cut by your former team in NFL history right. not top 10 in anything else <laughs> yeah yeah um you know I mean that th- that is a lot I think it's a lot of losses um on the defense um I will say um I think the big difference between the Steelers and the Browns, I think the Steelers just have more star power at other positions. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think like the Browns, I think the Steelers are kind of built back to front. I'm sorry, front to back. Um, So their defensive line is just, I think, much stronger than in the back end. But the Steelers have star power pretty much at actually almost every position except for linebacker. Um, I think that's the one they really kind of had to miss with Devin Bush. Um, ended up not picking up his fifth year option and he's not back. So, um, you know, but, but that said, you know, they pick up Joey Porter jr. Um, he should be starting for them. Um, you know, Corey Trice, I think has an opportunity to pick up that nickel spot and rotate in and out. Uh, I mean, really look at it here. If they didn't pick up Patrick Peterson, I think the only guy that I feel like that I know that would be starting a corner would be Levi Wallace who came from Buffalo a couple of years ago. Yeah. Other than that, like they've got, couple depth guys um honestly so uh, corner was a big issue for them so if they didn't pick up those corners in the draft i think they would have been in a lot more trouble peterson i think is going to be okay but you know it, it it feels like one of those position groups of like they're, they're taking a little bit of a risk there they're relying on tomlin and just the other guys on defense i think to kind of account for that i think it's fine the steelers they've had worse defenses you know they you know they've obviously had much better ones but like I think that the culture there is gonna, you know, they're gonna they're gonna end up with no K defense probably near the end of the season. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Chris. You look at their depth at corner, and it, it looks like it, it could be it could be pretty bleak for them. If you want to make an argument that the Browns have a better shot at finishing third in this division than the Steelers, I think you look at that, and you, I think you look at the other side of the ball where I actually don't think that their um, wide receiver core is in very good shape. We'll get to that. But again, like you're saying, just somehow the culture there, it's just like the Ravens. They have a culture of defense. They'll figure it out. You're very set. You're set at safety. You've got depth there as well. And, you know, I know you said they didn't have star power at linebacker. I guess it depends on what you define as linebacker, but you still got, <laughs> uh, you still got TJ Watt there and Alec Highsmith, um, that helps out your secondary having those two bookends there to rush the passer. So, um, 
yeah, I, if I'm a Steelers fan, I am I am nervous about that unit, but they they should be able to figure it out. They've proven time and time again that they can bring in guys and they can make it work. Now, what is interesting though is that you know we're back once again with them picking up two new inside linebackers. I know Miles Jack, his first year was last year. I forget um, if, if their other starter was, or, or no, that was Bush, wasn't that? It was Bush, yeah. It was Bush. Never mind, never mind. So yeah, you do have two new starters on the interior. I'll be honest, I don't know terribly much about Cole Holcomb. Looks like he's uh, going to be a fifth-year pro. Played his entire career for Washington. Um, only started a full 16-game season once in his career. It came close in his rookie year. He he started 15 of 16 games, um, but only played 11 games in 2020, seven games in 2022. So you don't like to see that um, so early in a career. And then their other guy, Landon Roberts, um, first four years with New England, last three with Miami. You know, again, a, a name I'm not super familiar with, but uh, uh, something that was, was big that I've read on a lot of Steelers blogs, both these guys are kind of labeled as something that Steelers fans feel like the Steelers have been falling a little too much into. These guys, great against the run, can't pass protect well. Again, Steelers, they've found ways to work around that. But, you know, I, I'm i not being convinced in the research that I've done that these guys are going to be huge impact. Um, seems like this, the brass, the Steelers brass is a little higher on Holcomb than Roberts. I guess that makes sense, uh, you know, Roberts has been in the league three years longer, so you have more of an idea of what he is. He probably is what he is at this point. Holcomb might have some more room to grow. Props to the Steelers for figuring out that it it wasn't working as they wanted with Bush and Jack and going somewhere else. I just don't know if if these guys are your long-term solutions. They might still be uh, stop gaps here at this position. And we know from the past few years in Baltimore that sometimes stop gaps at interior linebacker doesn't bode well for the entirety of the defense. Yeah. I'm definitely keen to see how Nick Herberg um, develops. He's a very productive player out of Wisconsin. Liked him in the draft process. You always hate to see players you like go to other teams. <laughs> so <laughs> they did They did a lot of that. Um, so we'll see how he plays. He could be the next Alex Highsmith, and we're like, dang it. But he's not a traditional <laughs> inside linebacker. So definitely curious to see how they utilize him. Well, I guess we'll wrap up where we're talking uh, defense for now um, and then move to the offense. The last position we haven't really discussed is defensive line, uh, which is interesting. There on Starting there, you have uh, the old vet, timeless vet. Uh, Jason Hayward continues to defy time. Had 10.5 sacks last season, I believe. Uh, you got Ogan Joby putting on another stamp into his passport of the AFC North. I'm guessing that after his time is done here in Pittsburgh, he's obligated by the NFL to finish his career in Baltimore after <laughs> spending time with the Browns and Bengals as well. And then uh, uh, Benton, the, the rookie pick. Uh, that's what their starting lineup is on ESPN at the moment. You know, I, I guess if they if they think Benton's not ready... um to start week one, you're looking at maybe Montrevious Adams stepping in there or an Armin Watts, neither of which have had a ton of extended success in their NFL career. Um, Watts a little more, I guess. But yeah, I mean, this is another unit that I, I think you have a lot of questions on. How quickly 
is Benton going to uh, adapt to the NFL game? Um, how much does Hayward have left in the tank? Crap, I call him Jason Hayward earlier. Cameron Hayward, Cameron Hayward. <laughs> and then Ogunjobi, how does he gel with the Steelers defense? So, yeah, another unit there. Really, like we're looking at with all three of these units, defensive line, linebackers, cornerback. There's there's players that where you know what they've done in the past, some questions of age, and then a lot of players that are stepping into roles that they either don't have a ton of of a track record on or are still coming into their own. So it's it's going to be interesting to see what they do here. Again, culture's probably going to win out somehow, but you do look at this roster, and if it's almost any other team, I think it looks a little shaky here. So one one, one question I kind of have for uh, for the group here is, um, you know, kind of jumping back over to the offense. Um, did the Steelers do enough on the offensive line to help out Najee? Right. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I I feel like I want I want to ask it that way because if I ask if Najee if I ask if Najee's going to have a good season or is he like potentially the guy, then we're just going to say no. But did they do enough to basically? make sure that he's a better year three than he had year two. <laughs> I think that the Steelers are in a multi-year rebuild of their offensive line. You know, they 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 had such a strong unit. And I think at one point, what was it? Something like 2014 to 2018, they, they had the same starting unit for all those seasons. I'm no, I don't have those seasons correct, 100% correct. I'm sure of that. But there, they did have a pretty sizable stretch there where – there was no turnover at all on the offensive line. And the past few seasons, it feels like um, <laughs> that's just been what they've had to do the whole time here. Um, I think at guards, you're looking pretty good. Uh, James Daniels seems to have been, you know, the relative anchor over the past few seasons. Uh, he's been pretty solid for them while everything else has kind of been in flux. Uh, Sumola seems like a, a really good fit, kind of like, what Zeitler was for us a few seasons ago, but there's some questions there on his injury track record. You know, uh, he's, he's missed some games the past two years. Mason Cole, I haven't read any good reviews at all from Steelers blogs about his uh, first year in Pittsburgh last year, but I guess they were like, we gave this guy money and we'll just f- figure out everywhere else first and then uh, handle that next off season if we need to. <laughs> At right tackle, you've got Okorafor, who's been there since 2018. I think he was a mid-round draft pick. Uh, early returns on him were good, but the kind of struggled a little bit as of late. And then, yeah, th- so at left tackle, uh, Dan Moore was their left tackle last year. He was a, a late-round draft pick that kind of got forced in there, and the Steelers felt they needed to upgrade, and they did with uh, Broderick Jones. I'm assuming that we're going to expect that the Steelers are going to try and get him to be the starting left tackle as soon as possible, considering uh, the play that they got from Moore recently. I still feel like they're a season or two away. Um, We're going to have to see Jones develop more. Uh, They might need a a better right tackle and center to really make this work. Uh, I think right tackle will be more pressing. But, yeah, I, I, I think the answer is... They've gotten better, but there's still there's still some work to do. Yeah, for sure. And I think Darnell Washington's role in all of this is interesting. Um, Good point. Ken, when as far as say he thinks he could be a tackle prospect, I don't really see them going that route with him. 
But um, I think it's undeniable that he is a very plus tight end blocker. Uh, the way he can move people off the ball, it's like having an extra guard at least. And assuming that he's not, you know, hurt, that was the big thing out of the draft. There's injury concerns that made him fall. If he's able to play, I think they got themselves a huge value and a player that is going to be a matchup problem. And just, I hate the fact that they have him, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so it really just comes down to like, is he healthy or not? Sure. Yeah. So that's, I think, a big part of it. Yeah, I agree with that. And it'll be worth watching. You know, I I will say I am not fully off Najee being a good player for the Steelers. Um, I agree. He needs a better offensive line. And I agree you watch his tape and you want to see more burst than he has. But there's also things he does really well. He, he breaks tackles really well. If he does get out in the open field, he can put on a, a pretty heavy head of steam. Um, his, his footwork is incredible and change of direction for a guy that size. And I think you also got to look at it. Sometimes it takes running backs a little longer to develop. We know we're, we, we want to see the running backs do excellent right out of the gate, uh, particularly because they have the lower shelf life. But again, look, it, it took Derrick Henry till late in year three to, to do anything. He wasn't doing anything with his career until what was it? That Thursday night football game where he like ran over the Jacksonville Jaguars defense for 200 some plus yards. I'm not saying Najee's the next Derrick Henry, but I'm also saying that I think that there are some similarities there in their career trajectory that it took Henry a while to get going. They're both big power backs. Both of them needed slightly better offensive line. They needed their organizations to get better players up there uh, in order for them to succeed better. And I, I understand that Jalen Warren came in and was kind of the new hot prospect, but he was undrafted, and I look at him, I think he's a great change of pace back for him, but, I mean, I don't think we really think that he's a threat to, to Najee for taking over the starting role, unless I'm mistaken, but um, I, I think that they have a chance here for a great one-two punch, and I think Najee could have uh, a bit of a breakout year this year if this offensive line gels well together, but, yeah, I... Again, it's it's just like the defense. It's like you see a way that it could work, but there's still uh, questions as to whether or not it all will. Yeah, I mean, I, I think like the like the Ravens, the the Steelers are going to wait. I mean, they're going to just wait longer to evaluate their guys, right? I mean, I yeah, I didn't want to ask that question in terms of just like you know, do we think Najee's going to like finish the season or something? Like, I think he's gonna, I think he's going to be the guy. He's going to be. He's going to be the starter. Um, Warren, I, I think, is a great. I agree. I think he's a great change of pace back. There are a couple. You know, there are obviously a couple ways to build a team, right? You can either you know have the supporting cast and then get the stars, or sometimes you have to get the stars and then build the supporting cast around them. Depends on what you know, what you're dealt, where your roster's at. So yeah, I mean, I think what you said earlier, Peter, of like the Steelers are kind of in like a multi-year rebuild of, you know, they've got their quarterback, they've got a running back right now, they're building around them this year. If things go really well, then they might do some damage. But it's it feels like this team is kind of on the cusp of maybe like next year of, okay, like you can start to see like where things are going to go. But but then again, I mean, you know, they're also, they're, they're going to have to have a, a pretty strong draft next year as well. Um, obviously, you mentioned earlier too of like Cam Hayward. I mean, he's been playing really good football for a long time. And, 
you know, I don't know if this is the year or like next year, you know, whenever it is, but at some point it's, it's going to happen. I think that's going to be a huge loss. TJ Watt obviously is still going to be there, but I think those two guys play really well together and we'll have to see if, if they have guys behind uh, Hayward at this point to be able to kind of step in that role and really take things on. Um, was it DeMarvin Leal? I think it was the guy last year they drafted to kind of sit behind him. But uh, yeah, if you're talking about kind of building, um, you know, building a roster around their star players, they got to make sure that they have guys waiting in the wings to be able to fill in some of those roles. Otherwise you end up where the Browns are <laughs> where they've just like, <laughs> right. they had their star players and they've lost a couple or they've just regressed. And now you just kind of have this roster that's like, okay, I've got a couple, but that's about it. <laughs> so. All right. Well, we spent a lot of time on the Steelers. I guess I'll, I'll wrap it up quickly with wide receiver group, pass catchers. We'll include uh, Pat Fryermuth in there. I think it's the same as all these other position groups. There's a lot there to like, and there's a lot of questions. Um, Deontay Johnson, I, I think his usage was was pretty similar to what we saw uh, without with Ben, I should say, without him. Zero touchdowns last year. That's a huge concern, particularly after him being a, a, a bit of a red zone threat for them. Pickens, I think he had a solid rookie year. I do have questions, though, about how... Do we know long-term if he's going to be the answer for them? We've seen this happen before with them, with uh, Juju, with uh, Claypool, who was traded to Chicago mid-year, where the Steelers are able to draft these guys that that make a flash early on in their career and then just kind of fall off the map. Now, is that fair, fair to pick? And it's definitely not. But, you know, it, it's it's a bit of a trend with the Steelers, so that's an interesting one. Um, but then outside of those those three, I mean, Fryermuth, very very solid year. Um, feels more like a, a tight end who would play better in you know 2000, 2010 days than in the current NFL. But he's made his his mark. But then after that, just a lot of questions. You know, they got they traded for Allen Robinson. Um, <laughs> Allen Robinson was a huge disappointment for the Rams last year. We'll see if he can do anything with Pittsburgh. Calvin Austin uh, missed all of last year. We'll see if if he's able to get on the field and show anything. Uh, Miles Boykin's still there. They re-signed him, uh, although he was mainly a special teams guy for them. Same thing with uh, Gunnar Olszewski, I believe, was also mainly a special teams guy. So here's here's where I was saying, where the point I was getting at with the Steelers wide receivers earlier, and I, and I only really want to talk to it because I, I mentioned it earlier. I feel like in years past, the Steelers have had their main guys, and but they've also had some reserve receivers who you always had to keep track of because they could break free for a big play. And that would really be something that you have to watch out with with this offense. Maybe Austin is that guy. I guess Anthony Miller could possibly be as well. He had a couple plays last year, if I'm not mistaken. But... You know, they, they they lost Steven Sims. Obviously, Claypool's gone. I just don't know if, if they're, this group is as deep as we usually see from the Steelers. And that's something I, I think that, uh, you know, with especially with what they're trying to do with Pickett, is something that could, that could, another thing, that could hold them back from making the playoffs this year. I still like them better than the Browns going into this season. And it really comes down to the coach who's at the helm uh, and the front office. I, I just think that the Steelers can't lose they can't have a losing season if Tomlin's there. But, yeah, I think we can leave it at that. Every position group has 
some things to really be excited about for this team, but also question marks that could that could sink the season. Well, let's. Uh, well, I think with that, let's 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 hop on over to the Bengals. Let's round it out with the AFC North. Doing the research here a little bit, I I still think the Bengals are going to be competing with the Ravens for the top spot. The my Homer hat, of course. Obviously, I want the Ravens to win the division, Super Bowl, and all that good stuff. But Bengals, I I still think are probably the front runners. Um, that said, I do see um, a path here. That's a little concerning if I would be a Bengals fan where it could kind of be where the roster kind of starts to take a dip a little bit. So let's start with, uh, I mean, let's just start with the offense, right? The offensive core is still here, right? You've got Burrow, you've got Mixon, you've got the three receivers. All those guys are still there. So offense is still going to be a top three offense in the NFL, in my opinion. Now, uh, offensive line was okay. Obviously, they put in a lot of bucks last year to be able to get um, Karras, uh, Kappa, Lael Collins, all those guys. Um, did make a difference. It took them a little bit to be able to get to where they were at, but I think by the end of the season, I think they played pretty well. They added Orlando Brown Jr. They signed him over from the Chiefs for a four-year, $64 million deal or something like that um, to play their left tackle. Obviously, you know, we know him very well. How well is he going to play? Like, is he really worth top tackle money? I don't know. We'll see. Um, we'll say Burrow and, and Lamar obviously are very different quarterbacks and just like how they play. So, I mean, we'll see how Brown does. I, I don't think it's a bad move necessarily, but I mean, it is, uh, you know, a lot of money. I think when you look at them in the aggregate of they really couldn't. Uh, develop any guys to play on the offensive line. I mean, they're spending tons of money here. So I think that's going to definitely have ripple effects when you're looking at where the Bengals are going to spend money on the offense in years to come. They're going to be a little limited. But for this year, I think they're going to be fine. Um, I think it's it, it's kind of one of those moves, I think, where they're trying to go all in. They know that they've made the AFC Championship game. They made the Super Bowl two years ago. They, they I mean, they want to try and win like right now. Now, um, the one area on... The offense I'm a little concerned about is so Hayden Hurst went to Carolina, signed a couple year deal uh, to go over there, and they really didn't do much to address that position. Now with the core they have, maybe it's a luxury pick, um, but you know I look at the guys behind him. Drew Sample uh, has been with the Bengals for a bit. I mean he's just I mean he's okay. I think he's more of a blocking guy. Um, you know I think. Um, Talked about him a couple times on the show of just, you know, he, he's a guy who could be a couple catches, but he's just not a guy who's, you know, even even Hurst, like, you know, I, th- I think he was a good weapon for them last year. Um, you know, not the best. He's obviously not top three, but he's probably in like the top 10, top 15, like receiving tight ends in the league. He's fairly good, but they really didn't get anybody behind him. Drew Sample was the guy. And then I think there was... Um, Irv Smith from, from Minnesota. It was another guy that designed like a one-year, like, not vet men deal, but like something like that, a million dollars or something. I mean, Irv Smith, I don't think is a Hayden Hurst player. So obviously I think, you know, it just limits a little bit what you can do. I think with Hurst, you know, he's fairly good blocking, fairly good receiving. You have some options there. Uh, with Sample and Smith, I think you're suddenly a little bit limited in that position group. I don't think it's going to break their offense, but it also something like it, it could have added another element there to kind of put them over the top. But, uh, you know, another guy I think to talk about, at least on the offense, Chase Brown. I've been very high on him in uh, rookie drafts this year, uh, running back. I think, um, you know, we'll see from him. I think he could be a good RB2, um, RB3 behind Nixon. Um, I think he's a guy to kind of watch out moving forward. 
Yeah, I'm curious if they got sniped in the draft and were unable to pick up the tight end they were looking for. Two picks before their second-round pick, Luke Schoonmaker went. And then two picks before their third-round pick is when Darnell Washington went. Um, Pittsburgh's traded up to go get him, so they could have seen an opportunity there. Yeah, I just think it's it's interesting kind of looking how the board fell. They definitely do, in my opinion, have a huge role at tight end. Uh, people in the fantasy community will know that, you know, having Irv Swerve, uh, <laughs> you know, that's been talked about for years, but he keeps getting hurt. Uh, you know, he has a lot of talent. So if he's healthy and the talent's still there, then sure, maybe he is a decent option there. But I don't know. Like, we'll definitely see. The tight end's going to be an interesting spot for them going forward. I mean, the Bengals really don't use the tight end for as a receiver. I mean, outside of that one year that Tyler Eifert had his Pro Bowl year, and then unfortunately for him, what did he do? Hurt his back in the Pro Bowl, ruined his the rest of his career? 2015, yeah. They've gotten by without a receiving tight end. Sure, I mean, in theory, having that weapon would add an additional component to their offense, and you always want to make sure that you have as, as many weapons as you can. And Hayden Hurst was a bit of a receiving threat for them in the playoffs. I, I think his regular season numbers were a disappointment, but he did seem to get uh, into the game plan then. But yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm not too worried with them with Irv Smith. I think I think it's intriguing, like you said, Alec. Irv Smith. It feels like every year is we're waiting for it to be his breakout year, and then he gets hurt or <laughs> or something. But it could work out. But I, going back to what you said, Chris. Um, with with their free agents yeah they put a lot of money there but again i think like we're talking about this is how you do a free agency if you have a strong front office which apparently the Bengals have they the past couple seasons they they figured something out i think what the Bengals are doing is smart here again they've still got burrow on his rookie contract so they're trying to take advantage of that window while they can augment your roster with your homegrown players that you've had that have worked out quite well for you and see if if just signing a couple of these vet guys can get you over the hump and into the Super Bowl maybe it'll work out for them now when we talk about the Bengals I think something that's going to be very interesting this year hoping you know that the Ravens will be able to keep Lamar healthy for the entire year the Bengals really haven't had any threat to the AFC crown these past two seasons you know once once the Ravens uh, lost Lamar in both those years, then then that kind of just fell to the to the Bengals. You know, they didn't really have competition for it. It will be interesting in the regular season to see how they handle having to actually be in a race with a team that is just as healthy as you and has as much talent as you do, and and see if they're up for that task. They probably will be because we, they've played well in the playoffs um, when they've gotten there. Obviously, the past two years, but. I still think it's just something to point out there, but yeah, I I think this was a strong off season as far as free agency is concerned with the Bengals. Uh, they attacked some spots of need, and I think that they set themselves up well. Yeah. Um, before I go on the defense, though, one other, um, <laughs> yeah, one other thing I guess to mention here, um, I I just I felt kind of doing this like the Bengals did address some holes, but there are a lot of free agent losses um and i didn't really mention most of them because most of them are on the defense but you know hey i i I can see where you're coming from peter i think hayden hurst is like 
maybe not the worst you know move but it's it's like one it's like it's like the first domino i think to fall um samaji p ryan also was uh not re-signed he ended up going to denver now he's another player of like do the Bengals rely on him is he really like a star player no i mean you're gonna have the big three wide receivers you're gonna have burrow like those are the guys right but that said, Mixon was hurt for a couple games last year, and P. Ryan had an incredible run at running back too. So you know they you know claim they have some guys, and Travion Williams was there. Uh, they think that he can make a step in that role. Like I mentioned, Chase Brown is a guy they drafted in the fifth round. He could also step into that role. But it is one of those like if the Bengals are a win now team, and those guys aren't ready, it's a little bit of a concern because now you're going to have to rely more on Mixon. Now, um, and Mixon has a little bit of an injury history. Um, on the whole, I think he has been a pretty reliable target, but you know, you want to make sure that you have guys waiting, especially when you get deep into the season, uh, and you're going to need, you know, these, these sort of role guys to kind of step up and, and make big plays. I think, you know, it's, it's one of those, like they better hope they, those guys are going to be it like net going into next year, because if they're not, then I think that they're in a tough spot. Like they're going to have to get a running back somewhere next year. Uh, I don't think Mixon's going to be re-signed. Um, and so, you know, they're taking a little bit of a gamble there. Like they're, they're, they're stretching their roster a little bit thin. They're hoping that everything works out. But like I could see like next year that could start to have problems because now you're talking about like, okay, well now you have to try and uh, re-sign Higgins and uh, what to do about Boyd and stuff like that. But anyway, that's probably for next off season. But um that that's kind of my my worry with the Bengals now. It feels like kind of an all in kind of transition year. So we'll we'll see what happens. I am intrigued by Chase Brown, though. I am in- intrigued if he is the mix and replacement. We'll see. But I I too really liked him coming out. Yeah, don't love that pick. Every one of these teams drafted somebody. I was like, no, not him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, let's let's move on over to the defensive side of the ball. Um, so, like I said, the free agent losses here I think were pretty big. Uh, Bates, uh, Jesse Bates, uh, went to Atlanta. Von Bell went to Carolina. That's your starting safety core for the past you know three four years. Um, it was a good combo for sure. So they did end up signing uh, Nick Scott to a three year deal. Um, he's a four year vet from the Rams. Um, so I think the plan is they're going to pair him with uh, second year player Dax Hill uh, to cover your safety room. Um, I mean, certainly it's a risk. Um, you know, I, I think that, you know, that's going to be a position group of, it, 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 they're just, I mean, we're going to have to see going into training camp preseason, just how those guys are going to play corner. They're definitely a little bit in a, in a better position. Um, they did sign uh cornerback, Sidney Jones, who's just a seven year guy. Um, I think most recently from Seattle, I believe the biggest thing there is, um, Wuzier's ACL injury from last year, he's got to get healthy. Um, but if he is healthy, he's your best corner on this roster. So, you know, Jones isn't really a replacement guy per se. I, I think he's probably kind of your corner two, three uh, kind of depth guy maybe to, to swap in with some of the younger players. They did also end up losing Trey Flowers, uh, also went to Atlanta with Bates. So, you know, that position group I think is a little bit weak. Um, that said, they did draft a corner in the second round, uh, DJ Turner out of Michigan. You know, I think he could step in and probably be your nickel guy. Um, maybe play a little bit of outside snaps or something, but, um, it's, uh, you know, it's a, I think both at corner and safety, I think it's a little bit of a transition. Um, they're going to have some, some, uh, uh, learning curves, I think. 
but uh but going a little bit further down as well um I feel like I should probably just name some of these draft guys. Um, one thing I did really like from them is that they kind of doubled down at defensive end where they're already fairly strong. I think Hubbard and uh, Hendrickson, great pair, uh, still playing at a really high level. Uh, but they ended up taking defensive end Miles Murphy out of Clemson. Um, I think he's going to be a great pick. Uh, he doesn't have to start right away, but um, I think a lot of people are really high on him. And uh, yeah, just you know, can never have too many pass rush guys um they've already got a couple other ones waiting in the wings that you know still developing like uh osai from a couple of years ago so i think that's great to kind of build that up now and if we're talking about the safety group as well um in the third round uh, after dj turner they ended up picking jordan battle out of alabama he's a strong safety um so i think he provides a little bit of insurance if, if dax hill kind of isn't the guy um you know he's he's a guy who could eventually kind of take over that von bell type role but uh, but yeah, I mean, what do you uh, just kind of like on the uh, you know the back end? What do you, what are you guys thinking about this defense here? I mean, yeah, I, I feel like there's a little bit of just uh, a, a leap of faith here uh, on relying on some guys developing, but I may be a little bit lower on some of these guys. I definitely think it's interesting that a lot of these teams in the AFC North, except for the Ravens, have questions at safety. I mean, I know the Steelers have Minka Fitzpatrick, but then who's another guy, right? Um, I looked up the answer, but like, he didn't mean anything to me, <laughs> you know? So like, there's definitely a lot of safety questions. I think in the AFC North besides the Ravens, as far as the rest of the defense goes, I, I'm not sure how I feel about them. I, that's a, that's kind of what I was getting at with the, the Browns. When I talked about them defense year to year is so hard to project. You know, you just change a piece or two and the way like, um, you know, it's so much more rotational. It's, uh, it's hard to sometimes predict how it's going to go year over year. Even when you add, like consider these additions and subtractions, I think their defense is going to have some vulnerabilities. Um, that's my hunch. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of been what it's been for the past few years. I think um, that defensive line is legitimate, uh, and I love the draft pick there with Miles Murphy. Uh, he was a guy that looked like he might be able to slip to the Ravens. I would not have mind it at all if they had gone there. That said, I, I think he's a little bit better of a pick or a fit there for, for Cincinnati because of the defense that they run is, is more 4-3, I believe. And I think that's where he is projected as being a better fit. But, yeah, I, I agree. I think that they are the hardest to project, and it simply just comes down to that I, I feel like their defense the past two years has overperformed with, with what's there. So it's hard for me to look at their roster and and say that I have you know complaints when when they've done it now certainly they haven't been perfect but I I feel like these past two years particularly in big games that defense has been up to the task uh so yeah I it's tough it's tough to predict there are definitely vulnerabilities but the track record the past two years is suggesting that there is a, a culture there that's starting to to cultivate that's getting this defense back to you know the the an annoying stinginess that you had back in the days when uh you, you had uh a perfect and company there yeah i mean the, the the big thing i think that really at least for me puts the Bengals defense above the steelers and the browns is i i think the 
there's a lot less turnover. And I think that there are guys now that are playing at a, at a high level, right? The defensive line, I think that all the guys are still there and they're only adding to it. Um, at the linebacker spot, Jermaine Pratt was also re-signed. Um, pretty good player um, and one that you know had developed for the Bengals. Unlike offensive line where they can't seem to find anybody, uh, Pratt was a player, you know, it took him a while to eventually become the one he is. Um, but I think he's playing pretty well right now. And it was an affordable deal too. It was like three years... 20 some 30 some million or something um pretty affordable all things considered even a corner right um you know corner was one of like well you know they lost a couple guys like a a woozy's having this acl they haven't done anything about eli apple nobody knows if he's coming back or not i'm I'm not sure how many of them how many Bengals fans want him back but even if you lose those two guys let's say a woozy's not back like cam taylor put Cam Taylor Britt was a rookie last year, ended up getting significant snaps. He played fairly well. You know, if he's your starter, that's not a bad spot to be in. Uh, Mike Hilton's still there. He played pretty good at the nickel spot. You know, and then, you know, to that, yeah, you're adding second round pick DJ Turner, you know, and Sidney Jones. Like, overall, that's not bad. Like, the, the I think the Steelers are in a much worse spot um, because, yeah, with like Cam Sutton last year, who was, I think, by far like the best player they had on at the corner spot. They're just addressing it with more rookies this year that are already unproven, whereas some of the Bengals guys, it's like, okay, well, they've been in some of those snaps and had meaningful roles, and you know they were already kind of there. So that what you're really looking for is can they make the next step? And uh, the the biggest question mark, I think, by far for me is Dax Hill because, you know, although we were kind of high on him last year a little bit, he was a penalty machine. <laughs> so I'm just, like, really unsure how he's going to project this year going into a starter. Um, he could either be really good and get that cleaned up, or he's going to be really, really bad. So, and I think it's a lot to kind of put on him for that. And you really don't have anybody else behind him to be able to take that free safety spot. So it's a little bit of a gamble. Uh, we'll see how it pays off. But if you look at every other position group, I think that they're probably fine. Yeah, it's interesting to see if Jordan Battle can uh, compete and get the starting role next to Nick Scott or Daxel, I guess, and instead of Nick Scott. Probably drafted him, hoping that would be the case. Cam Taylor Britt, uh, another kind of question mark, honestly. Uh, DJ Turner could be an option there. So, I mean, it's, it, yeah, you're like you said, they're young on the back end. And that's either scary or exciting, mattering on, you know, how it plays out. And, uh, but yeah, that front, the front, I mean, I, I honestly like sometimes forget how good they are, you know, how nasty that front four is. Um, I guess uh, I try to block it out, you know, from the memories. But Yeah, uh, I mean, even, <laughs> even some of the guys behind him. I mean, remember Cam Sample? We were talking about yeah. him a couple of years ago. Like, I mean, he's yep. he's behind Miles Murphy at this point, and he's a decent player <laughs> by himself. So, I mean... Yeah, it's a little uh, it's a little unfair how stacked they are defensive line. But um, only other thing to report, I feel like we haven't even talked about special teams at all this whole episode. Yeah. Um, the Bengals need <laughs> <to> a punter, <laughs> so they ended up drafting a guy. Um, Brad Robbins also out of Michigan. You know, uh, what was his name? Kevin Huber was like the longtime punter for the Bengals. He's had a really atrocious past two years, and they ended up going in a different direction mid season last year. Um, I think his name is Drew Christian or something, I believe. Um, so they brought in Brad Robbins to compete with him. We'll see if he gets it. Uh, I think it was he was like a seventh round pick, sixth round pick or something. So, you know, it, he either grabs it or he doesn't, in which case, you know, nothing matters. But um, they got to have a punter at some point. So it's going to be one of the two of them. 
Yeah, I left it out of my Browns talk due to pacing. But when I was looking into their signings, they are obsessed with special team only guys. Uh, Matt Adams, Mike Ford, Jordan Kunowski or whatever. Like these are all linebackers and corners that they have zero intention of playing on uh, on defense, but they're like core special teamers. And I was like, wow, they are obsessed with copycatting. Like they want to be the Ravens so bad. But yeah, I, I hear you, man. Because that's something that's always hard to scout, special teams. But it's also like, particularly with the rule changes, we didn't really ever get into that on the show, but uh, <laughs> now with the fair catch rule changes, it's like special teams, do they even matter? Probably not. Um, I, I legitimately think it's worth discussing one point. Like, are we going to have special teams aces on our team? Or are we going to carry a third quarterback this year because of the other rule change um, where you can have a, a third quarterback on the roster that doesn't count against game day activations uh, as long as they're on the active roster. Like that feels like a better use at this point than a special teamer, given the fact of how uh, deprecated special teams is essentially. It's like, it's like, Oh, that, that used to be a thing in the game. Now it's so, so much lower. What was the rationale behind the, the change in the fair catch rule? Cause I, I I didn't. I didn't get. The, I, I'm obviously all for player safety, but I didn't really get the argument for it. I guess aside from, I don't. I don't know. What was your guys' read on it? Harbaugh thinks that there might be like unintended consequences that actually may hurt player safety. I don't know. I, I like the XFL model, frankly. At this point, like if the, if you're going to change it, like change it to be more like the XFL. Um, I know nothing about the XFL. What did the XFL do? Um. So like they basically have like no one move until the ball is catched, I believe. Uh, and they're like all lined up at, I forget the yard line. I have to look it up, but like they basically like, instead of having people like just like screaming down the field, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, full bore, it's like a lot less, uh, time for them to get in, into gear, so to speak. Hmm. Yeah. I feel like this is, we, we should have a discussion on these rule changes, particularly with how much the Ravens have relied on special teams over the years. Teams begin play five yards apart, kicking team, at the opponent's 35-yard line, return the team at their own 30-yard line. Well, I guess uh, I guess that about wraps it up. Thanks, guys, for sticking around for the State of the Division. Um, it's always always fun. Um, it's the fourth year doing it, like we said at the top. Thanks for sticking around. For sure. Lots of information in this episode, lots of debate. I think it basically, uh, I think we're all just like, man, this division is full of interesting pieces. You can see it going many ways. We obviously hope that the Ravens end up on top, but uh, a lot of these teams, you know, that's, I think, the other thing, too. None of these teams are bulletproof, right? Plenty of reasons that they could fall apart, and um, many, you know, everyone's hoping for something to come through. Uh, Ravens are not, uh, you know, left out of that equation, so we'll see how the season plays out, how minicamp and training camp goes for all these teams, if any other acquisitions are made. You can find us on Twitter at OneWinningPod, and email us OneWinningPod at gmail.com. And we'll be back later this uh, off-season with more content. Stay tuned.